I can do what it says I can do. And I can be who it says I can be. Today, I will be taught the incorruptible, indestructible word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray, God, that the word that comes forth this morning will encourage and build, Lord, even as you told Jeremiah that his assignment would be to not just tear down, but to build. So today I pray, God, that the word will build on solid ground. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so I want to do an experiment with you because I'm a scientist. (laughs) All right, so I want want you you to, we used to play this game when we were small. You know, you ever played like staring at each other till you blink? Right? Like who can outsteer the other person, right? Okay. So what I want to do is, we used to do this one too because, I don't know, we're just dumb kids. But I want you to try and hold your breath as long as possible after I count to three. So when I count to three, I want you to take, inhale, and then hold your breath as long as you can. And once you have, once you have to take a breath, then just raise your hand for me. I want to see who lasts the longest. All right? Do not, okay, the competitive people, we're not trying to raise the dead this morning. That's not this lesson, all right? Next week. But today, okay, (laughs) today, when you feel yourself going purple, raise your hand and take a breath. All right, but I want to see who can last the longest. All right, ready? One, two, three. Just raise your hand when when you had to take a breath. Y'all ought to be great swimmers. All right, all right. We see hands going up. We see hands going up. There's no wrong, there's no wrong answer. You're going to have to take a breath at some point. I'm just saying. All right. All right. You can stop. So no matter how long you held it for, right, you began to feel yourself getting restricted. Oh, oh y'all are still holding your breath? Okay, all right. Julie. <laughs> Heaven and Pastor Jason are competing up here for the grand prize award. All right, no, no matter how long you held it for, eventually you needed to take breath, a breath, right? You needed to take in air. You needed to breathe. Now, did you have to think about breathing? No, you just kind of, you knew what to do. It was automatic. We didn't have to, I didn't have to say, okay, this is how you take a breath. When it's time for you to breathe, this is how you take a breath. You, I didn't have to do that. You just naturally took a breath. So you didn't have to think about breathing. And you cannot see air. Air is invisible. But it's natural for us to breathe in the invisible. It's natural for us to take in the invisible So the visible can live. It's natural because we are first spirit. We are first invisible. We live in a tangible world. But it's the invisible that makes the visible possible. We are most suited... For the intangible, supernatural, spiritual.
spiritual world. But most of us feel more comfortable in a tangible, natural, limited world when we are really limitless. We are created in the image and likeness of God. And God is spirit. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 1 Timothy 1.17 says this, Now unto the King Eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. John 4, 24, verse 23 to 24, lets us know what this image is that we're created in. We're created in his image. What is this image? It says this, but the time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such as those to worship him. Verse 24, God is spirit. And his worshipers must communicate, must relate, must converse in spirit and in truth. So I want to talk to you about praising anyhow. Praise anyhow. We have gotten accustomed to living in the flesh. To the point that we think we can access the supernatural and the spiritual with our fleshly efforts. And some things are not going the way we want them to go because we pout, we whine, we complain, we fight, we buck up. We do everything in our flesh. We taunt our education. We taunt our experience. We use our logic. We sit down. We try to work it out. And some things can only be accessed by spiritual currency. And praise and worship is the currency of heaven. After Jesus explains to this woman who God is, he then introduces her and introduces us to our role in regards to relating to God. He says that if we're going to interact with God, there's a way to do it. A, we're worshipers. So, God is spirit and he turns right around and says, they that worship him. God is spirit, worship. God is spirit, worship. We cannot relate to God outside of worship. We can communicate through our prayers, but spirit to spirit happens in worship. Because worship involves a lot of different tenements. Thy word is truth. Words are spirit. After Jesus explains this, he says, Those that respond and communicate or interact with God are worshipers. What is a definition for worship? I'm glad you asked me because I know you just want to know because you wanted to learn some Greek today because I was in El Salvador yesterday thinking I was Spanish, okay? So today, I'm Greek. (laughs) Two weeks ago, I was Hebrew. All right. So it's it's the United Nations going on here. So the, the Greek word for worship is proskuneo. Proskuneo, it means to kiss the ground when prostrating oneself before a superior. It means to fall down. Adore 
another person on one's knees. The word worship here in John 4, 24. They that worship, the true worshipers, are marked and evidenced by their ability to do obeisance, their ability to fall down before God, their ability to kiss God, to reverence God, to honor God, to bow before Him, and even to the point of laying out and letting Him know He is greater and we are not. Because though we are created in His Spirit, we are not the Spirit of God. So then Jesus explains that there's a distinct way that these worshippers are to worship. From who they really are, from that place of spirit and sincerity. Not spirit and insincerity. Not coming to the presence of God for what I can gain, but for what I can give him. Not coming into the presence of God, hoping I can manipulate the situation in my favor. But coming all out of full respect and full obedience to him. Without an agenda. Straightforward. Once this is done, there's a response from God. There's a response from God. So Psalm 145 verse 18 says this. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. So sometimes we feel God is distant. But he comes near to those who are sincerely calling on him in truth, meaning there's no guile in us. There's no shadiness in us. It's the distance you're feeling within your control. Psalm 22 verse 3 says this. You are holy, O you that inhabits the praises of Israel. You're holy. So when we worship God, the response from God is to draw close to us. The response from God is to inhabit our praises. Inhabit our praises means to convene. To make your way to convene. To reside in. To dwell in. To live in. And to settle. Why am I telling you this? Because too many times we want God to intervene, but we don't know how to get him involved. And when we don't see him involved, we blame ourselves and we move further away from God instead of drawing closer to him. And God wants to be involved. But heaven works on a particular system. God works with principles and promises. There's a divine order and a way we must conduct ourselves in the kingdom and hierarchy of God. God turns away from the proud. If he draws close to the worshiper, because the worshiper understands he can lay flat, he can be humble before God, then the Bible tells us there's a certain person that God moves away from. He deliberately, intentionally moves away from the proud. Because the proud will say in their heart, I don't need God. The proud will say in their heart, I'm not going to bow down. I don't, I don't care what nobody says. I don't want people to watch me. See, the proud is more concerned about themselves and their reputation than they are about a reciprocating relationship with God. That's the proud. The proud is, the proud is, is arrogant. It stands, stand, you know, in their own way and resists. So because the proud resists God, God resists the proud. Some changes we want in our life. We don't think we're proud. 
But if God wanted you to drop on your knees in the middle of Walmart at 4 o'clock p.m., could you do it? Or would you be worried? These people are going to think I'm crazy. If he wanted you to go and serve the least of these, could you get your educated, sanctified hands dirty to serve the least of these? You see, this is the way we know if pride has us or if we've got pride. Because when God is requiring something of us, can we humble ourselves before him? But the Lord says in Zechariah 4, 6, it's not by might, nor is it by power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord. So the humble trust in the strength of God, the proud trust in their own strength. The humble understands worship. Three reasons we do not express worship. There are three reasons why we don't, why we don't express worship. One, ignorance. We may not know what the Bible says about worship. We may be new to the faith. We may have no clue what God is requiring of us. Alright? So, so we, 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 we just may be just not knowledgeable of it. Right? Two, influence. So one, ignorance. Two, influence. By our culture. We may have a different national or different church culture. So we may be influenced by our culture. Some, you know, people are coming from different faiths and different expressions of faith. So they may be influenced to worship based on that experience that they had. It could be a national culture, meaning from a different country, or it could be a different church culture where reverencing God was really more in a quiet standpoint versus a loud standpoint, right? So you have, you have uh, ignorance, we just don't know. We have influence. It could just be what we experienced. Or it could be intimidation. We may worry about how others see us. Or we may compare ourselves with someone else and think that our expression is not good enough. So... We may see somebody else who's praising God and, I mean, they are just going for it. And we just, we just look and go, boy, if I can't do it exactly like that, then it's not good enough. So we get intimidated by the worship of others. That's one way as well. We, or maybe just be afraid of coming out of our comfort zone. It's unfamiliar. It feels strange. We don't know what to do with it. So these are some of the reasons we don't express worship. In our hearts, we love God. You know, privately, we may go to town. But when it's time to corporate worship, time to come together as a body, we freeze up. You ever see those athletes that run well at home and then they go to Olympics and they can't finish? They're like, what happened? Intimidation. But three reasons we should express worship. One, relationship. Our relationship with God is symbiotic. It goes, it's reciprocating. It goes back and forth. It, we're not, we have the privilege of understanding a God who wants to draw near. Of understanding a God who wants to be a help in time of trouble. Of understanding we serve a God who wants to be friend. Not just one that sits high and above and never wants to communicate with us. But a God that says, I will come to you as you come to me. A God that moves towards us. This is who we have. So we have a God who wants relationship. Well, no relationship will ever survive if only one person is always making the sacrifice. Only one person is always moving. Only one person is being worshipped. 
So we have relationship or relationship with God. Number two, it's the right thing. Worship is a part of the culture of heaven. It's a way that we should operate. It's just right to worship. Number three, we should express worship because we reverence God. We have this reverence, this respect, this honor towards him. When we see, you know, people we want to meet, I know we talk about vision boards and faith boards and sometimes you cut out people you want to meet, you know. Oh, I want to meet Oprah. Oh, I want to meet, you know, the prime minister. Oh, I want to meet the queen of England. All these different things are people you want to meet. And then in your mind you think and you dream and you see yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I would do. Oh my gosh, if Beyonce came up in here, what would I do? Would I start like, oh, 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 or I would be like, oh, let me hold my, oh, oh. I mean, you wouldn't even know what to do because we're in church. So you like freak out like, oh, like, should I bust into formation or should I like, oh, hey, play cool, hey. Baby, what's up, girl? Well, from Houston too. You know, you don't know. You start dreaming in your head what you would do. Some of you been practicing the dances so that if she was to just call you on, you know, you could just do it. I see, I see somebody. I'm telling you, somebody been in the mirror. Want to be in a step show with Beyonce? Cool. But you sit there and you dream of that. And yet we want to be able to reverence God even even a greater way, a more honorable way, awestruck. Run after him like you'd run after your favorite celebrity. I remember one time, and this was not in my notes, but because I see heaven and I love preaching about her, that's why. So I remember one time she was playing a soccer game and she had to go into double overtime. And I kind of made her go into the double overtime because she was just so awesome and it really was for me and not for her. And I enjoyed watching her play soccer, right? Even like now every week I'm like, can't you find a game or something to do so I can just go watch you play? So I just sucked up my whole life by quitting soccer. Didn't even consider me at all. She's like, mom, it wasn't you on the field. I said, I was on that field. When you ran left, I was running left with you. When you ran right, I was running right with you. There was nobody else that played that game of soccer with you like me. (laughs) So I remember we were at um, this thing and we had bought some tickets to FC Dallas to go and see David Beckham. And I remember how I made her stay in double overtime. Because once you go into the overtime, you can't be pulled out, right? And so we were to really have left when the game had ended and they would have had to substitute her. Well, I left her in there. So by the time we got to Frisco from the game, the game was over. Yes, we bought a jersey and everything, but the game was over. The parking lot was empty. Listen here. You remember that noodle? I mean, it was horrific. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I can't redeem myself. You know, so it's not like I had five kids that I could be like, oh, your sibling wants something else. No, I couldn't push her aside. It's the one child. Okay, so we're there and I'm like, Lord, what do we do? So I drove, drove to the, the ticket counter and said, can we get other tickets? We missed this, you know, just like just in the doghouse. So then we see this crowd of people way to the left-hand side. So we drive over there and, you know, we ask them, you know, hey, why, why, you know, what's the, all of this about? And they said, well, the players haven't come out yet. And so the, they come, they're coming out of this exit. Now we are about... 15 rows back because we just came on the scene, right? And so whenever the players were coming, the whole crowd would move with the players. 
Because, you know, this, I mean, I'm in my little church shoes. I was not prepared for this, okay? But, you know, heaven was so excited and she was so little, so I'm lifting her up to try and see. So then David Beckham comes out and the whole place goes crazy and they're screaming and carrying on. And, you know, and she's, you know, when she was small, she had this tiny voice. Her voice would be like, like that, you know? So I had her, and so she's screaming, David Beckham, David Beckham. But we way back there. So I'm pressing my way, and I'm trying to push my way through. And of course, you know, we're swaying, and we're doing all of this. David Beckham, David Beckham. This is her. Before I know it, somebody grabs the child, and they start passing her to the front. For real. And I'm back here, and I cannot save her. And she's the whole time enjoying it. David Beckham, David Beckham. And she gets to the front of the, of the, of the little bar. And David Beckham walks right by her. And she's steadily screaming, David Beckham, David Beckham, sign my jersey. And this security guy touches him and makes him come back to her. She pressed her way she pressed her way and along the way she got help and he noticed her because of her pressing in the kingdom of celebrity fandom is a currency if you want Jesus to stop and turn around Like the woman with the issue of blood. You got to get down and reach out and press your way. Three results of worship. Deliverance. We're going to talk about that in a second. Direction. You'll get that in a second. And defense. Deliverance. Acts 16. There's an incident in the book of Acts 16 when the apostles Paul and Silas were imprisoned. And verse 24 to 26 says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening and suddenly there was an earthquake and the doors opened and chains were broken. You have to understand that Paul was a very educated person. Paul was a very known person. Paul was a highly skilled person. Paul was like on your upper echelon. If you were going to, Paul was a 1%. Because he was a Pharisee. He was, he was the people that were in authority. People you look and go, oh, I want to be like him. Oh. Before he was converted. Once he got converted, didn't take away his experience. Didn't take away his education. Didn't take away his knowledge. But here was Paul humbling himself and saying, I don't need this education right now. I'm in the middle of prison. It don't matter who I knew in the Sanhedrin before. I'm in the middle of prison. What I need to do is connect with God. And he began to sing. Him and Silas began to sing and pray. And the doors open. Direction. Jehoshaphat, in the, the king in Second Chronicles, had two enemies ganging upon him. And he was at a loss. And in verse 12, Second Chronicles 12, he says this. I love this scripture. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Then he offered a praise. He was a king who knew to seek the king of kings. And God assured Jehoshaphat 
that because of his praise, he would not have to fight this battle. The battle would be the Lord's. Whether it's the woman who broke her perfume at the feet of Jesus, or Mary who sang a song song of praise, or Miriam, Moses' sister, who was dancing with the tambourine and leading worship, or Deborah, who was a married woman who led an army. But there was a song of Deborah that is written down in history. Or it was David the king. It doesn't matter what your position is. What is important is the position of your heart towards God. Everyone is required to worship. Because worship brings God's presence and his participation. Say worship brings God's presence and his participation. So, how do we worship? I'm glad you want to know. Because remember, I told you that some people don't know. So, Word of Truth Family Church, we know him and we make him known. One of the ways we know him is to get intimately acquainted with him through worship. One of the ways we make him known is having tangible expressions of worship so other people know who we serve. When you are married, you wear a ring as evidence to try and tell somebody else, I'm not available. I'm just saying somebody was trying to hit on my little husband last night. It's okay. It happened all the time. Praise God for the upgrade. Normally it's the people in the checkout line, you know, like at Sonic. I'm like, baby, you know, can you like elevate, elevate your... (laughs) I mean, but it don't matter. I mean, it don't matter how, how, you know, but this is an evidence that you're, you're, you're taken, right? So you have different physical evidence to say, if you go to, if you work somewhere and they require a uniform, that's how they know you work there. Right? If you go to a school and they have a particular crest, they know that you go there. Well, if you belong to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's a way you act in worship, so we know you worship Him. So I'm going to tell you, and you're going to do it, and we're going to do it together, and I'm going to show you. So you and I are all on the same Bible page. And so now from this day on, Word of Truth Family Church, you are responsible for activating and reflecting worship. So let's go to the scriptures. We're almost done. Speaking. Speaking. You use your voice to thank him. Psalm 34, 1 says this. I would exalt the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my lips. So for the next 15 seconds, I want you to use your lips. And say words of praise. Just like when you're trying to date somebody. Girl, are you so fine? I like your thighs. I like your eyes. Okay, well, you want to make sure that you are talking to Jesus. And you can say, God, you just made my heart skip a beat. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for giving me life this morning. I love you more than life itself. This is what I want you to do for the next 15 seconds. Stand up and begin to tell him. Talk to him. Talk to him like you talk to your boo. Talk to him. Glory, glory. God, you are holy. You're magnificent. You're wonderful. I'm so glad you're my creator. I'm so glad you're my savior. You are Lord of my life and I love you. I adore you. Amen. The second way is lifting our hands. Psalm 63 verse 4 says this. I will 
praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Psalm 134 verse 2 says, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. So for the next 15 seconds, let's just lift up our hands. And continue saying with your mouth, God, you're holy. Oh, you're worthy of all adoration. You're incredible, Jesus.
We pour out, we pour it out, we pour it out, yes. We want your presence, Jesus. We want to bless your name, Jesus. Oh, we pour it out. You see, praise is a bridge to the throne of God. No matter if you're in a good place and you don't have any struggles going on now, we still should praise him. If you just had a recent victory, you can shout and you just need to praise him. If you need a strategy from God, you just need to praise him. If you need a breakthrough, you just need to praise him. Be uncomfortable for a second so he can come into your praise. Worshiping before God puts us in the best position because we're now the humble. So I want to continue worshiping for about two more minutes, but I want to give you the chance, if you've never known Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you the chance to do that. I want you to experience this love that we're experiencing, this presence that we're experiencing right now. You know that Jesus...